it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you take more control of your financial life. I have to tell you, I'm really excited about today's podcast because I get to talk about two things that make me happy. First, a great way to save money. And later, there are actually electric cars coming in the marketplace that are affordable, relatively speaking. So I don't know how much or how little you have to ship a package Postal Service, UPS, FedEx, it's gotten really expensive. And the Postal Service, I feel so bad for postal workers, I can't even tell you. They are so stretched thin, and they are frightfully overworked. They work in terrible conditions, and the post offices generally look like third world facilities. Most of them built maybe 40, 50 years ago, and falling apart right around you as you stand in line and think about those workers working in those substandard conditions. At the same time, we've got FedEx and UPS that have become behemoths of package shipping. Amazon now offering package shipping services to its competitors. Ooh, that seems a little risky to me as a business, letting Amazon know anything about who your customers are or anything like that. But anyway, I digress. If you, instead of going and standing in lines at the Postal Service, you go to UPS or FedEx, it's huge money to send something. I mean, it's crazy. We want to send something to our daughter across the country There are times that what we're sending her costs less than what it costs to send the package. Crazy. But there are now aggregators that you can join as a small business or even as an individual that many of them are free to join and you get special rates just through shipping under their code. The one that we've talked about in the past, and then I forgot the name of it, and I had to go find it again, Pirate Ship. It's amazing how much money I save sending stuff, their deals with UPS, sending stuff with them versus the program I was on. I was on a discount with FedEx through uh, my insurance company, and I'm getting much better deals now through pirate ship. And they're not the only one. There are others like this. But I want you to know if you're a small business, you can never negotiate the volume discounts that you'll get through one of these third-party aggregators. In the case of pirate ship, generally depending on which UPS service you're using, you're going to save uh, 50 to 60% typically versus retail that UPS charges somebody who just walks in the door. And this is really great stuff, how much money you can save. And again, if you're a huge corporation shipping a huge number of packages, you'll do better typically than with the aggregators. But if you're a small business owner shipping just so many packages every day or every week, or you're an individual 
using one of these things like pirate ship can save you a great, great deal of money. And right now, that's something we all need to be about is saving every penny we can. Krista? All right. This is from Davis in California. At the beginning of this year, I decided I was going to max out my 401k as quickly as possible. Speaking of saving all you can. However, it was brought to my attention that my company matches my contributions up to 4% of my gross pay on a per paycheck basis, which means if I max out my 401k by mid year, I will be forfeiting a significant amount of match money from my company. I wanted to caution your listeners that front-loading your 401k may not be the best option, but rather make even contributions throughout the year to take advantage of the free company match. It should also be noted that some employers could theoretically match based off of your year-end income number, so it's important to learn how your employer's plan works to make the appropriate decision. Davis, thank you. This is something that has not come up in years. It happened to me with an employer that I was like, hey, I got to get all that 401k money in as quick as I can. Then it turned out I lost much of the match. And so, yes, you want to contribute evenly throughout the year. It's dollar cost averaging, putting money in in equal amounts, and you'll pick up the full amount of the employer match. And I thank you for bringing that up because I don't think we've had that question I don't remember brought to our attention it. in five years. Yeah, it's been a long, long time. And this is from Brian in California, also in California. I'm an active duty Air Force officer, 35 years old. We are being reassigned to Belgium soon, and I'm looking to buy a 20 or 30 year term life insurance policy before we leave. I've received a quote from USAA and a few other A plus and A plus plus rated companies. My question, what is your opinion on return of premium term life policies? What are your thoughts on this versus a regular term life policy? And thanks for all your continued support to the military. And thank you very much for your service to our nation. And you will love being in Belgium. Winter can be a little dreary there, a little much rain, and even you get into May, it can still be kind of wintry in, in uh, Belgium, but it's just a great place to be. And uh, gosh, that would be fun to live there as a duty station for a while. Return of premium life insurance is a great deal for the right person. This is how it works. So it seems like crazy. Typically, you'll pay 20% more premium dollars for each uh, premium payment all through the years. But then at the end, if you keep the policy in place for the entire 20 or 30 year period, you get all the premiums you paid back. Uh, The calculations I've seen says that's a return of like 6% on your money. So it's ultimately free life insurance because they gave you all your money back. They had use of it for those years, but they gave it back. So why is that something people normally don't buy? Because historically, most people bail out of a life insurance policy way before the term ends. If you are the kind of person, Brian, who's just a creature of habit, you'll start that policy, you'll keep it in place all through the 20 or 30 years just because that's the way you are about things and about money then go for return a premium. Most people can't maintain that discipline and it doesn't work out for them. But if that's you, you're getting somewhat a free lunch. 
And this is from Eric in Ohio. I know Clark doesn't recommend using a piece of trash MasterCard or Visa debit card, but is it okay to use a debit card in your Apple Pay wallet, or are there still concerns? So using, uh, this is an interesting wrinkle. Mm-hmm. No one's asked me about Apple Pay or GPay. With either of those, you have additional security built in using them as a payment platform. And I've found that it's so weird now, more and more, I don't even need a credit card with me because I'm using my phone to pay for so many things. Do you do that now? Absolutely. I forgot my wallet the other day and I was like, oh, I'm okay. And I just use my phone everywhere. And you're on an Android. Are you using GPay? So I'm using a lot of apps for specific businesses. I'm using GPay. Yes, there's added protection using Apple Pay or GPay because they're generating basically a randomized number every time you use them. And that would be a safer platform for you to use a debit card than the normal way you'd use a debit card pulling out the piece of plastic. I was thinking the other day, I was in Sam's Club and there were unusually long lines in the Sam's Club to check out, even using self-checkout. So as so many Sam's Club members can do, but almost nobody does, you ring up your own items on your phone. On the app? You just scan them right on the Sam's Club app. And then when you're ready to go out of the store, you do this slide to pay. And whatever card you want it to charge to, just like with GPay or Apple Pay, it charges it, pops up a barcode. You go right to the door to leave. They scan that. They scan three of your items. They decide you're not a shoplifter and you go. The future. It is so wonderful. It's, I mean, it's not what Amazon has done with these freaky stores where there are, you know, thousands of cameras watching everything you do. Have you been in one of those yet? I have not, no. And uh, so I, I went in one in San Francisco and I didn't buy anything. I was just watching. <laughs> it's like, man, it's like something like the communists do in China. There are cameras just everywhere on you. And it even knows if I pick up this superior Coke Zero and then decide, oh, I don't like that price, and I put it back on the shelf, it knows to automatically remove it as a charge from me. And it seems to really work. But anyway, the electronic ways of paying are just going to get better and better. And I've never understood why Costco has not allowed people to do something like Sam's Club. And BJ's Wholesale also has a thing where you can check yourself out. So Costco, let's get with it. Get people out of those lines. That's They'll spend more money. I mean, you think about people who abandon purchases because of how the long lines. the lines are. And I don't know when supermarkets are going to get with this. Mm-hmm. But I don't really shop in traditional supermarkets anymore because just not my thing. Can I add one more thing on the debit card? I always like to say, um, even if, if you are using a debit card to buy anything, or even if you never want to use it to buy anything, you know, please go into your credit union or your bank's website and set the limit, the daily limit for how much can be charged to your card because that will add some protection if your number were compromised. Because so. numbers are being compromised in record numbers. And you don't want that money you need to live on cleared out of your account. 
Now, coming up next, it seems like gasoline is clearing all the money out of your account. Is it time for you to buy an electric vehicle yet? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I think about how many questions we've been getting about whether people should get an electric vehicle right now with what's happened with the cost of gasoline. Average around the country, more than $5 a gallon stuff that other countries have experienced for decades, something you don't inflation adjust, we're at the highest price, average price we've ever had in the country. So anytime that happens, and again, if you inflation adjust, we've had peaks of prices actually that are higher than now. Um, But every time that happens, people are like, what do I do? What do I do about it? And that brings forward electric vehicles. Well, right now, You say electric vehicle in the United States, what do people think of? What do they see on the road? They see Tesla, 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 Tesla. And Tesla, in the midst of these rising gas prices, has steadily raised the purchase price of its electric vehicles. So they are not a solution for what's going on with today's high gas prices. But what's missed in the picture is there are a lot of anonymous and semi-anonymous electric vehicles running around and automakers one by one have been introducing electric vehicles and there are a couple of sweet spots in the market i want you to know about one of them i mentioned briefly the other day when we were talking about gas prices and it's the electric vehicles available from general motors and the Bolt and the Bolt uh, is called EUV, the their uh, Bolt derivative that's a small SUV. Those are both being discounted, especially the Bolt, B-O-L-T. This is an older battery architecture design, and they are selling them right now at starting at MSRP $27,800 new. You got to find one available, but if you can, that's quite a deal. And it doesn't make sense to take a perfectly working vehicle that you're not intending to replace and replace it with a Chevy Bolt or something else that's electric because of what's going on with the $5 gallon gas price. Figure for a typical person, let's say gasoline over the course of a year for you is. $3,000. That's kind of a typical kind of number. An electric vehicle 
will cost you over the course of a year, depending on what kilowatts cost where you live, uh, $500, $700, somewhere in there for the electricity you have to use to charge the vehicle. So you might be saving maybe $2,500 a year. That still doesn't make sense to dump the vehicle you have if it's working just fine. Let's say you own it free and clear. It's got years left in front of it. The money you'll save on the electric vehicle is not enough to make it worth buying. On the other hand, if you're at a natural point in your life where you would be replacing a vehicle and you're fed up with the gas prices, there are these semi-anonymous electric vehicles, as I'm referring to them, especially including one generation back electric vehicles. If you don't have a need for 200 plus miles of range, there are a number of contenders in the market for vehicles that get typically 100 and something miles of range per charge. Not going to work for somebody who routinely drives tons of miles every day or every week. But a typical commuter commutes somewhere around 30 miles a day. And any electric vehicle, even older generation ones, even the Nissan Leafs with their defective battery packs, the older Nissan Leafs, they'll even get 30 miles a day out of them. And they cost very little money, even in today's used vehicle inflated prices. But the sweet spots are looking at the electric vehicles that are new, being sold by pretty much every other brand but Tesla. Now, problem in the new vehicle market. Dealers defying the manufacturers and marking up vehicles of all type way above manufacturer's suggested retail price. It has infuriated the manufacturers. Manufacturers, truth be told, would all like to sell cars like Tesla does sell them direct to the public. But because of dealer protection statutes around the country, manufacturers are not allowed, which to me is a complete antitrust thing, terrible. It stifles competition, stifles the marketplace that manufacturers are prohibited from selling their product how they want to. So they've got to use the dealers. So what you're going to see is dealers are going to become more truly dealers, which means they will be paid a fee to deliver vehicles. And that's exactly what Ford, who's getting ready to roll out a ton of electric vehicles, including the ultra sought after F-150 Lightning pickup truck, Ford wants to sell EVs at a set price only, a la Tesla and Rivian and Lucid and whoever else. They want to sell them at a set price that instead of being a manufacturer suggested retail price, it will be the price, set price, kind of like General Motors did forever ago with Saturn, different kind of car, different kind of company, set price. And the dealers were paid a fee for handling delivery of that vehicle. And Ford is doing the right thing by the public because the abuse of people think about people buying corvettes chevrolet put so much effort into selling corvettes 
as an affordable supercar. That was their thing, to sell it as an affordable supercar. And what did the Chevy dealers do? Instead of the Corvette being 60000 as GM intended, dealers were marking it up to $110,000, $130,000, obliterating the whole business model that Chevrolet was trying to do. And instead of having an affordable supercar, just another and a line of expensive supercars. So the dealers own the legislators all over the country. They give all that money, take them to all those nice dinners, take them on those junkets, all of that. But the marketplace ultimately rules and overrules political corruption, and it will happen. Sorry about that diatribe. But that's been an issue also, not just with gas engine vehicles, but electric vehicles, with the demand being red hot right now and the dealer's price gouging. And so what Ford's doing is right. But then you can look, what are the different manufacturers offering in the sale of electric vehicles? Grab a hold of what deals are in the marketplace. If it's a natural replacement cycle for you, go drive them, see if you like them, and that may be an answer. Now, the real answer, though, is steadily in 23, as manufacturers worldwide are rolling out dozens and dozens of new models of electric vehicles. The market for electric vehicles is going to absolutely grow exponentially. And the choices that will be available will be great. We are at price parity in several of the models, where meaning that an electric vehicle not only is much, much cheaper to own, operate, run, but the price of manufacture of electric vehicles in not that many months will be cheaper for the automobile manufacturers than the cost of manufacturing gas engines. And the great news of that is how we are held over a barrel by the high prices of gasoline. That is not going to be a problem in the future as electric vehicles can be charged from so many different sources of fuel. But if today is your day, you want one, and it's a practical thing you want to drive, go test drive a Chevy Volt. See if you can B-O-L-T, not V-O-L-T, which was another Chevy electric vehicle. It was a different kind of technology. But anyway, go test drive a Bolt, and if you like it, that could be your ticket to an affordable electric vehicle with decent range. Speaking of electric vehicles, Haynes in Georgia says, is it better to lease an electric vehicle instead of buying one? Because at the end of 12 years of ownership, I usually keep my cars for 15 to 20 years, the battery replacement costs are about $23,000. $50,000 for a new purchase and twenty-three dollars 12 years later doesn't make sense to me. So the improvement with technology and electric vehicles is moving rapidly enough that as somebody who keeps a vehicle 12 years, you'll find that if you did want to keep that vehicle, replace the battery pack down the road, the cost of replacing the battery pack won't be anything close to $23,000. When you look at the decline in battery costs over the last decade, it is dramatic, and that will continue to be the case. So that would not be a reason to lease an electric vehicle. The reason that someone might 
lease an electric vehicle does not fit your circumstance, Haynes, but people who cycle through cars more frequently would find that leasing an electric vehicle could make sense because of what I just said with the improvements of technology, that what you would get now may not be nearly as capable as what you could buy four or five years from now. And from Carol in Florida, you say in an article on Clark.com, you set your thermostat to 68 degrees at night. That seems very wasteful to me to cool the whole house when all I want is my bedroom cooled and I live alone. Why not get a portable air conditioner? Then I could cool a single room and perhaps set the rest of the house higher. That is a really great idea. It's what people have done in England forever. It's called zoned heating and cooling. Using a portable air conditioner, as long as its SER rating is a good one, that would be a very viable strategy if the 14,000 BTU unit at Sam's for 500 bucks gets the job done then that could be a substantial savings to you. And the the rest of the house, you leave warmer, you only cool that one space. And that's why the Brits have always done it, because they've always paid much higher energy costs than us. And you go in a British home in the winter, it is freezing in those homes, except maybe one cozy room in the house in order to save money. In our case, we have an air conditioning system that's zoned by room. So the public spaces, if you will, are on one thing and then the bedrooms are on another. So we're not cooling the rest of the dwelling, only the bedrooms. And we use a Nest thermostat that by the time we're up already has turned the temperature way up. And from Tom in Florida, one of my pet peeves is how often my family uses $3 gift bags for $10 gifts. I save gift bags hoping they will get reused, but they just pile up. What do you say, Clark? When you give a gift, are you a bagger or a wrapper? Wrapper, wrapper, wrapper. I mean, wrapping paper is so much cheaper. And what you're talking about drives me bonkers with the gift bags. You're a big gift bag person, though, aren't Mm -hmm. you? I will buy a bunch at the Dollar Tree a lot of times, too. The Dollar the Dollar Twenty Five Tree. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen that by the way over and yeah. over again in in uh, stories where people refer to it as Dollar Twenty Five Tree mm-hmm. now instead of Dollar Tree. But I love wrapping gifts too. But I don't use Dollar Tree wrapping paper. You can always tell. Well, see, I still read a newspaper, and you can always tell when I've wrapped one because I use old newspaper mm-hmm. to wrap gifts. And then people automatically know it's for me, right? Because who else does that? (laughs) And the newspaper, I mean, I already have it, already paid for it. So then the wrap is free. So you're with Tom. I'm completely with Tom. Uh, This whole gift bag thing, I know it's easier. You just put that tissue stuff around it and put stuff in the bag. And so it's an expensive way to save effort where you could save a lot more money if you use traditional gift wrap. So, Tom, I'm right there with you. And try my thing with the newspaper. You know, they have those free weekly newspapers. You could wrap in those, and you have no cost sure. then for the wrapping Use some paper. twine, make it, put a little sprig of something from your garden in it, make it look like you're trying to make it look old-fashioned and cool. Me have a garden. <laughs> You ever want to meet somebody with the brownest green thumb ever? It's me. I mean, my idea of gardening is AstroTurf. So 
<laughs> Don't take any gardening advice from me ever. But I want to thank you for feeling like I'm a good source for a different kind of information about a different kind of green. Yes. Your wallet is we serve you around the clock on our websites at clark.com and clarkdeals.com and free one-on-one advice if you need it is available to you a service that we've offered now for just short of 30 years you can see how to get free one-on-one advice from a member of team clark if you go to clark.com slash c-a-c 